Well, now, good and gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts all over this room be found pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Today I'm offering the first of nine uh, messages this summer from the New Testament book of Acts, uh, which occupies a unique and crucial place in all of Scripture. Luke, who is one of the four chroniclers of the life of Jesus Christ, continues that story on into the next generation. And in Acts, we see together that the supernatural does not stop with Jesus. Those early believers were experiencing God, God acting in them, God living in them, which also means, of course, God living in us. This is a relentlessly personal story for the Church of Jesus Christ in this very day. So fasten your seatbelts, friends. We're going to dive into these episodes and adventures of the early church together. I want to begin this morning by asking you to use your imagination. I want you to take yourself back in time. See yourself standing on the top of a rocky hill known in that place as the Mount of Olives. There are people around you, maybe a hundred, maybe a few more. Take your place this morning in that crowd. There really is a place for you there. And as you stand there, you'll see that every face in the crowd is turned toward one figure who is standing in front of us. All eyes are fixed on him. It's the risen Christ. Somehow, though, he doesn't look anymore like a human being, an ordinary human being. His hands, his feet, for one thing, are wounded. And you can see in his eyes he knows what it means to suffer. And yet... There's this light shining out of him. And he looks at us with those wise, searching eyes. And then he opens his mouth and he speaks. You shall receive power, he says. And you will be my witnesses in this city and in the nation and your neighboring nations and all over the world. You will be my witnesses. And no sooner has he said this than his face grows brighter than we really can even bear to look at. And his brightness rises over us, rises into the sky, and he's gone. That's it. But what isn't gone is the weight of the word he spoke. You will be my witnesses. I think when he spoke that word, it sent something like an electric shock through that gathering of people because see now they knew who he was they knew who was talking when he said you will be my witnesses this was the very voice of God God for them may once have been a distraction or some warm undefined feeling that washed over them in particularly religious kinds of moments but see they're done with that now These people have discovered to their amazement that God is real. God is a person. God, to their amazement, is here. God has been acting in in amazing ways among them. Think for just a minute of all that they've seen uh, in recent days. In the person of Jesus, 
God has challenged the powers of evil and has broken Satan's teeth. In Jesus, God has set captives free, has forgiven sins and thrown open the door to heaven and said, come on in, everyone. And now this Christ who was dead and is now arisen and alive, this is the one who says to them, you shall be my witnesses. My goodness. I don't know what goes through your mind when you hear that word, witness. I don't know what picture it it gives you. But friends, I hope it's a big picture. I really hope it's bigger than the picture of someone occasionally saying a few words on God's behalf. Because that's not all of it by a long shot. Now, of course, it goes without saying that you and I are called to communicate Christ and the love of Christ in all kinds of creative, compelling, compassionate ways. I just can't find in scripture where Jesus ever asked his people to do now and then some stuff called witnessing. That's how we've come to use the word, but that's not how he used it. Jesus did not say, you will do some witnessing. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses, which is an infinitely larger command. When Christ says to his followers, you'll be my witnesses, he's telling them your life, your whole life will stand for me and shine for me and speak of me. You won't be your own anymore. I will hold you and and I will use you to represent what matters most. You will be an instrument for the purposes of God on the earth. You and I know that the words Christ spoke to them that day still wave over our heads like a banner. You will be my witnesses. But but I wonder if some of us maybe have lost a sense of the scope of that claim. How many of us truly live under the assumption that the whole meaning of our lives lies in being an instrument in God's hands? Our culture certainly makes it hard to think of ourselves that way. Most of us who grew up in America have learned to think of ourselves not so much as an instrument, but as the proprietor, the owner, the director. The narrative goes something like this. I stand at the center of my world and I see all these things and people in my life and I perceive them as mine. Here is my house. Here's my family, my church, my work. Here's my time, my hobbies, my stuff. And and here, this, this is my God. I'm here today to worship my God. This is how we think. And if we're especially pious, we may even prioritize the list. Well, you know, God comes first. My hobbies come somewhere down the list and good for us. But the thought is still, all of this, mine. See, at the heart of what it means to be converted is the making of a radical shift in how we think. The shift takes us, most of all, away from saying, this is mine, and teaches us to say, I belong to this. Actually, I belong to God. 
It's shifting my life out of the center in order to reserve that place for the living God. And all these things I thought were mine are now placed in God's hands to use and hold as an instrument for the work of love. This is what it means to be a Christian. It's not just about being saved. It's about being used. To come to terms with the living Christ is far more than just dealing with our guilt or our fear about the hereafter. It's about doing something with our lives. And isn't that actually good news? Doesn't that give you something deep and good to live for down here? Some years ago, a visitor to Calcutta was meeting with Mother Teresa uh, at one of her facilities for the terminally ill and commented to this great woman how enormous and significant her life had been in the world. And Mother Teresa smiled at him and said, Do you know what I am? Yes, the man said, you're great, you're Mother Teresa. What I am, she said, is a pencil, a pencil in the hand of God. That's all I am. Poor woman thinks she's a pencil. And yet didn't God, during her lifetime, take her life and write unmistakably for some poor people to read, I love you when you're poor and dying and there's no one there. And didn't God use her life to write unmistakably for some prosperous Christians to read, what are you doing with all the stuff in your hands? She was just a pencil. And we could do worse than to be that simple. I'm a pencil in God's hand. Or... I'm a candle lifted in the hand of God to shine in some dark places. Or I'm a violin in the hands of the great master bringing beauty to this world. Or I'm a hammer in God's hand building something in this world that is worthy and lasting. And here's some really good news, friends. In order to be an instrument in God's hand, you don't have to become anybody that you are not already. It doesn't matter how much you know or don't know. It doesn't matter how much you can do or have never been able to do. It doesn't matter what age you are. You can be six years old or you can be 96. If you want your life to be used, if you want that, the living God will use you as you are. And you may think to yourself, yeah, but in what way? How will I be used? And you know what? I think this is the wildest part. I think this is the happiest part. People who offer themselves to be an instrument wind up making differences in ways they didn't even realize at the time. I speak from my own experience. I have been profoundly helped and changed by people who never dreamed they were helping me just by watching them when nobody knew I was watching. When I was a little girl... I had Sunday school teachers who must have thought they were complete failures because it seemed like none of us was paying attention. We were shooting rubber bands and passing notes and stabbing each other with pencils. I only stabbed my brother. But we weren't listening. We weren't listening. And some of those teachers had to have gone home on Sunday thinking, why do I do this? Only thing is, I still remember some of the words they said and how they said it. 
And it made a difference in my life. Sisters and brothers, if you offer your life as an instrument, you'll be used by God in more ways than you could ever imagine. Here's the thing. You really do have to offer it. Our lives won't be instruments of God unless we determine to say, here is my life. God, use my life. In this world, you can be accidentally an instrument of almost any other force. You can be accidentally an instrument of selfishness, an instrument of materialism or hatred. These forces will come along and use us without even asking. But Christ always asks, may I use you? Will you place in my hand who you are, all that you are for the glory of God and for the healing of this world? Will you? And you know what? Those who who don't give any answer, Christ doesn't force or shame. But for those who take a step to say, here I am, use my life. He smiles and says, boy, do I have a life for you. Let's go. And so I ask you this morning, as I ask myself, what do you want your life now to be? And do you know you get to choose? Can you believe it? You get to choose the significance of your life. And all of you who would choose to say, here I am, make me an instrument in your hands. All of you who choose that, I invite you today to make that response unmistakable to God and to your brothers and sisters here and then to the world beyond these doors. Lord, make me your instrument. Use my life for the healing and transforming of your world. And so gracious God, Deliver us from lives that are lost in any kind of trivia. And lift our eyes to see what it would mean to be used in your hand for something larger than ourselves. Help us to live into our identity as those who've put on Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.